Welcome to The Putting Couch. This is Jim Grunberg along with Ted Galena and a great guest of ours today is Ben Pelicani. Uh, ben has been a longtime friend, friend of ours and uh, Ben really, we first knew Ben when he was down in Florida working uh, around uh, the Mike Bender Academy and Ben, you've come a long way since then. I know at Pelly Golf is how we get a hold of Ben and he's uh, one of the nation's top young instructors for golfers of all ages, but and, and he also coaches high school and college players. But uh, today, Ben, we just want to have a lot of fun and talk a little bit about putting and other things uh, golf teaching related. So welcome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, I've, I've known you guys for a long time now. So uh, as my as my career has evolved and and gotten me here in Nashville, uh, you guys have been a part of that the whole way through. Well, I know that, um, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the fact that you are very, very well regarded as an instructor and uh, I've taken lessons with you and so have my kids and uh, and I think Ted yours yeah, as well my and, son. yeah so um, you're doing something right but one of the things I love the most about Ben when it comes to putting which is sort of um, our favorite topic here on the putting couch is that Ben does suffer the same sorts of uh, of uh, uh, feelings on the greens as as all of his students and uh in the time that i've we've known ben i mean i think he's cycled through every type of grip every type of head every he's a great tester for he's us. a great tester every <laughs> length um we just call him and uh, <laughs> he'll make it the good and the bad the good him. and the bad he's gone he, he's he's putted with styles that we've never seen outside of ben and, and sometimes ben comes in here and helps us design uh you know putters for the year 2040 and 2050 yeah. so you know ben i think that's uh that says a lot about a guy who ben can get out of the golf uh, he can get out of the car and go you know hit the ball around and hit uh, fairways and hit greens but when it comes to putting it's it's just more complicated than it seems yeah i mean i mean i i, I think my journey in putting is uh, a lot like a lot of people's um i was not naturally gifted i was i was fortunate enough to to play high school golf and and then go on and, and play college golf and uh that was never my strength and so i've had to to educate myself a lot about it and uh I, I think now as an instructor, kind of opened myself up to figuring out what's out there to, to what can help my players the best. I, I also always like to have the idea that I'm never going to be able to say something to somebody if I've never tried it myself first. So uh, some of the, the exploring is more off of just trying to, to make sure I have a better handle. If a student comes to me with a certain idea of the way they want to putt, I want to make sure I can speak to that in a productive way. So yeah, some some of the some of the journey has been self discovery for my own game, and, and some of it's just to help me become a better teacher. And, and I always want to make sure I, I can meet my student where they are, and then and then be able to work off of that and, and give advantages and disadvantages. No question about it. But, you know, but would you say that you know one of the underlying things there is is that golfers, for some reason, many many golfers, uh, their expectations for how they should putt seem to be a little higher than than you know, what putting really is, which even though, you know, it is a shot that, you know, from a distance seems like it should be the easiest one, you know, you, there, there's, you're so close to the hole, but in reality, very few golfers are ever pleased with their putting. Well, I, I think that can start, and this is obviously a, a possibly a bigger conversation that, that you didn't know the direction we'd go in on this when you opened up that, that door to me, but I think it starts with a lot about of the question of, how do you practice? How do you play? And how do those two marry together? And I think it starts with understanding and defining what is good 
what is acceptable, what is great, and what is bad. And so I personally always like to start with tour averages. I think that gives us kind of a baseline starting point. And so when you look at putters uh, in general, um, I, I think you have to look at different kind of benchmark areas on tour. So when you think about putting, there's uh, putts inside of eight feet, putts uh, from eight to 35 feet, and then 35 feet and more. And those numbers are significant because on the PGA Tour, that, that changes uh, some, some important statistics. So for those who, who might not know, um, it, it always moves somewhere between seven feet, 10 inches, and, and eight feet. But that's where the PGA Tour players make or miss 50%. And so when you start getting players inside of eight feet, that expectation, I think, is a fair expectation to make the putt. Why? Because on the PGA Tour, and remember, these are the best players in the world with the best access to equipment, playing on the best surfaces, uh, they can make more than they miss from inside eight feet. But once we step outside of eight feet, the expectation should not be to make a putt anymore because even the best players in the world will miss more than they make. And so golf is hard, and I don't know why we're trying to make our expectations where we fail more than we succeed. Okay. Really interesting. So when, when is it with a student um, that you get into that? Like, I, I, I personally think it's the first conversation to have. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to work with players of all different skill levels and, and sometimes from different backgrounds. And, and I know recently I just started working with a, a player who just retired from the major leagues. And I give that, I give that knowledge to them right away. And I mean, this guy had never, he's yet to play a round of golf. Actually, his first question to me was, do you think I should play right-handed or left-handed? Because he, <laughs> he, he threw right-handed, but he batted left-handed wow. in the majors. And he goes, I, which way do you think I should play from? <laughs> and I mean, and I'm giving this guy that, that information right away, because I think when expectations are set, then there's the better question of how do you execute to those expectations and uh, even for guys who are beginners to tour players, I think you got to set certain baselines in, in, in expectations right away. And then ultimately your practice can be geared to how do we execute to that expectation. You know, we have a lot of serious players that are um, regular listeners to this podcast. We have a lot of instructors. We have fitters. But, you know, we also have people that just love the game and they found this uh, the putting couch and they, they love hearing us talk about, you know, general topics re regarding putting. And... Um, I think um, for, for the guy that really hasn't um, gone and taken a putting lesson and, and maybe has been playing for many, many years, you know, what would you advise them to do in terms of the measurements? I mean, should, should they be measuring some things just, just to set their expectation, even if they've been playing for years? I mean, again, most of the guys that I play with have never taken a putting lesson and probably don't even know where they should be starting. Well, and, and um, you'll laugh because, again, you guys have seen me go on some interesting rabbit trails here. But, uh, you know, let, let's kind of break it down into the simplest form. To be a great putter, you have to do what? In my opinion, you have to start it on your intended line. You have to hit it with your intended speed. And then it becomes a green reading contest or what I call be have your best educated guess. Okay. And so I think that's where everybody should start no matter what. So if you look at those three categories I gave you, inside eight feet, eight to 35, and then 35 feet more, those three different categories have different things that kind of outweigh the other three categories. So for example, from inside eight feet, it's all a make or miss world, but for the most part, it's can you start it online? You know, the, the speed control 
say on a four footer, is not going to make or break how you make. Obviously, if you're excessive one direction or the other, but for most people, speed is not going to be the crazy reason why they miss a four footer. It's can they start a putt online? And so I think that's got to be skill number one. Skill number one is can you start it on your intended line? Now, personally, I think it makes more sense to aim where you want to start it. So you could take a one step further and say, the first thing I want to do is aim it on my intended line. Second is I want to return the club face back to where I wanted to aim. But I think that maybe is even a step further than most people should take. And so, you know, to me, the number one drill, and I don't care if, you know, I, like you said, I'm a high school coach. I also oversee player development at middle school level as well uh, at, at Lipscomb Academy where I coach. And, you know, I, I put a two inch gate 12 inches away with middle schoolers who can't break 60 on a par three course. Okay. And the reason people go, oh, that drill's too hard for them. I said, no, we, we're just setting an expectation that can you start that ball online? And if you can, over time, learn that skill, then you will become a better player. I mean, we had practice this morning uh, at, at our school facility, and that was one of our drills. We had a two-inch gate in front of our players. And that was one of our uh, skills is, can you hit the ball through that gate? And sure, some players can do it at a higher level. I, I hold my tour players at a higher level of, of executing that drill than say a middle schooler, you know, who's just trying to break 60. But I, I think the, the expectation or, or the, the skill that you're trying to develop should not change just because of their skill level. I think start them where you want them and then see how often they can reach that skill. And so for the everyday golfer or someone who's never taken a putting lesson, that's number one. Can you start it on your intended line? And then number two is can you hit it with your intended speed? And so that, that and again, it's kind of interesting, that actually mirrors a lot of what we do at, at practice. Um, this morning is we... Um, in the past, I've used to use this idea of what I call same length stroke, same length distance, which makes a lot of sense that if, you know, if you think of this in your full swing perspective, if you were to hit eight iron, and let's say you hit eight iron 160 yards, you expect to just step up and hit eight iron 160 yards. And there's a give or take, maybe five yards in there. That's approximately 3%. Well, if I hit a 10 footer and I hit that 10 footer 11 feet, well, that's 10%. That's not okay. If you hit your six iron 144 yards and then you hit your, I'm sorry, your eight iron 144 yards that normally goes 160, you would not say that's okay. So I think that same level of that 3% value uh, should be held true when you putt as well. And so one of the drills we used to do is called same length stroke, same length distance. We've That's actually evolved a little bit into using a great new training aid that's out there. Um, it's called the flight deck. Um, we use that at, at practice, but same concept is, can you produce the same length stroke to produce the same length distance? And so those are, I think the first two skills that you have to have. And then the last skill is, is, can you, can you green read? The one thing I would say that, um, there's not a lot of things that have blown my mind. Um, I was fortunate enough, uh, to go to college at, at Bucknell university where, where I studied mechanical engineering. So the math side of, of golf, nothing really surprises me that, that often. But the one thing that I think everyday listeners, if they ever have the opportunity to kind of just see and, and evolve, and, and uh, Ted, I know we did this with Russell Knox back in the day 
um, using the perfect putter. It's, it's called zero putt. And it's one of the most amazing things is the influence of slope yeah. on speed. And I think people don't realize how much slope influences speed. And uh, if the, the perfect putter, for those who don't know it, it's just really just a glorified ramp. It's a, it's a way to take the human part out of, out of letting a ball roll. Um, you could use a stint meter even for this, but um, I, and I, and I know we, we did it with, with Russell and, and when we did it with him, he was able to pick up on it the second time through the drill. But for those who haven't done it, you know, you, you take a, a putt with a little bit of slope on it. You release all the balls from, from the zero mark until the point in which you like how that ball entered the hole. Um, and you could see if, if the green's a, a good green that that's pretty smooth significance in, in how that plays out. I mean, you could have a, a seven footer uphill, a 20 footer downhill in the side hillers, depending on the grain. I mean, you could have a, an eight footer, a 12 footer, a 20 footer and a six footer, and they all have be released from the same spot. And that still blows my mind, how much slope influences speed. And to give people the, the everyday maybe analogy, let's go back to that eight iron that went 160 yards. I mean, if you think about it, the idea of playing golf in the wind, downwind, into the wind. And when we when someone hits a ball into the wind, and let's let's use our analogy that ball only went 144 yards. I mean, if that thing came up 16 yards short, but you hit it solid, you'd go, oh, that's 16 yards worth of wind, and you'd kind of file that away. But with putting, we don't file away how much slope influences speed. And so ultimately, if you can own those two skills, can you start it online? Can you produce the same length uh, distance from the same length stroke? Then it becomes this ability to read and adapt. And and yes, there are great systems out there that help us shorten that learning curve. Um, I think understanding that science can be very, very helpful for people. So be it they use Aimpoint or some other system, there, there's some things that we can gain from that, but ultimately it's our ability to adjust and adapt. And so can you start with the two skills and have the ability to adapt and, and feel that out? Just like when you're playing golf in the wind, can you adjust and adapt gotcha. to those conditions? So, yep. so it's, in essence, you're walking up to the green and if you're 10 feet below the hole, You've got a you've got a putt that is going to require okay as you said a certain stroke which which is going to need some momentum right that exact same stroke that that golfer would need on that ten footer if it were on the other side of the hole it might be a thirty footer that exact same stroke. yeah so that so what we did with that drill I called it the Fort Knox drill so you have a hole and with that device you you drop it there's numbers on the side of the the device there and we always started on zero so say if we go downhill we would have to go back at least 30 yard or 30 feet to see if you dropped it on zero to see where it end up then you move about three feet to the left and you start going around in a big circle so three feet to the left you might need to come in just a little bit but we would put t's down and so when you get down to the other side when you're going uphill instead of being a 30 foot putt you it might be a an eight foot putt yeah Right, so yeah. so you have a big circle with tees around it with different distances, yeah. and you have to aim differently. But it's 
just the same stroke, same takeaway, same follow through, and that's how you can sort well, of get and, used to that. And maybe our, our our listeners will will feel this one out. I you know this is kind of the classic example, but if if you if we're going down this rabbit trail a little bit, is you know how often have we had that downhill twelve footer, ran it five feet by, and then left the the five footer short? Right. And and the reason is, with all probably reason that five footer needed a bigger stroke (laughs) but what happens is you had that 12 footer you made a stroke obviously it went 17 feet in total right because it went five feet past the hole that stroke you make a shorter one a lot of times significantly shorter when in reality it probably should have been the same Same stroke stroke. again wow that's a great way to right and so that just understanding again it blew me away how much slope Again, there's only been two things that have really blown me away, and that's one of them, is the idea that slope greatly impacts. And then here in the South, we get grain, and, and, you know, I'll probably get some some tweets fired my way from Twitterverse on this, but the idea that, you know, balls don't break because of grain. Balls change speed because of grain. Therefore, speed changes your break. Mm. And so when balls start going down grain, the ball's not physically moving. It's picking up speed. And when balls pick up speed, they break more. And so faster faster greens break more than slow greens. And so that's the other thing I think that that drill can give us, uh, allow us to have, mostly down here in the south where grain plays a role in our speed calibration, is understanding how grain affects our speed as well. So it's not just you know, hey, I got an eight-footer uphill and a 20-footer downhill. It's I got a 12-footer down grain and I got a 10-footer into the grain, though the slope I'm going across is the same both directions. It's just how does that grain play a role into the speed of the putt? And so, again, I, I think it goes back to you You asked the question, um, you know, obviously a couple of minutes ago, cause you can get me going on stuff, but you asked the question, what does the everyday golfer do if they've never taken a putting lesson? And, and I really think it's those three things. It's, you know, can you start it online? Can you, uh, have a predictable distance from, with a predictable stroke? And then ultimately how do we adjust, uh, judge, adapt and, and calibrate to the given situation we're at? And if we can do those things, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's what you notice with great putters on tours. They have, they own those three characteristics. They can start their ball on their intended line. They, they have a predictable distance and then they have the ability to um, adapt to the given situation. And, and that's what great putters can do. I know I, I've said this before is, you know, thinking of putts, miss putts are much more magnified than maybe a miss drive on a fairway, right? And I said this before. I'm, I want to aim left on the dri- on the fairway, but my drive ends up going to the right. But I'm still on the fairway, and I'm eh, okay. I'm still not. I'm not upset. You're not telling anybody right. that you weren't aiming exactly. There. You yeah. know, I'm still on the short grass. But when it comes to eight footer, or five footer, or ten footer, you're you know you're so much closer to that hole. When you do miss it. You, you you get more, and I know we talked to Dr. Bob about this, you just get more upset because you're thinking, I'm so close to the hole, why, why can't I make that, you know? And I think that's where sometimes golfers get in a rut with putting is that they focus so hard on trying to make that putt that they, they forget what they end up doing. Well, I think the other thing is is that, you know, a lot of us golfers, you know, we might see that 
You know, isn't it funny? The club champion or, you know, the guys that are in the A flight seem to be the only guys we ever see on the practice screen, you know, and we don't make the, you know, we really just can't make that leap that, hey, there's something to be said for spending time out there. You go to a PGA Tour event and I might, they spend as much time on the putting green and in the bunkers and around the greens as they spend on the driving range. Um, it would be easy to just look at that and feel like they're just, they're just practicing pouring the ball in the hole. But in reality, Ben, I think they're practicing all those three things. And when you watch them out there in a practice round and they throw a ball down and you're like, well, what are they putting towards? Well, they're just trying to get the feel for that up versus down. You know, you talked about that mind-blowing experience. Something came to my mind a couple of years ago. I was on a vacation. We rented a couple of mountain bikes and uh, we had a trail there and it was like, it was a three degree grade. And they said, okay, be careful. It, going out, it's three degrees down, and coming back, it's three degrees up. And going down, it felt completely flat, but I felt just completely powerful, like, you know, I could go no-handed and nothing, and yet it really felt flat. But they told me, hey, it's three degrees down. Well, coming back, it was three degrees up. And I'm telling you, I could not even move that bicycle. And that's essentially what the golf ball's doing, you know, along, you know, along those same lines when it's going up versus down. And a lot of the tour players and the best players I know are working on speed drills. And, uh, you know, I know you're a big drill guy. I know, I know from taking a lesson with you, you use a lot of different props and, and different sorts of um, devices. And you're doing the same thing with putting. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because I remember, I feel old saying this, but 20 years ago when I was uh, in college, uh, and again, I was not a great putter in college. Uh, so I, I've had to learn a lot of these things afterwards. But, you know, I, the putting arc had just come out. And my first thought was, why in the world would anybody use that tool? Which is funny coming from me now, because if, if you come watch me teach, I'm a big believer in, in feedback devices. But I think ultimately it goes back to, you know, when you, the point of using any sort of training aid or anything, drill or anything is to help us gain insight into how to become a better player and own what we do, right? And so that feedback, be it uh, a putting mat or a gate or, you know, a more elaborate uh, device, you know, just understand what that tool's trying to do. Um, my opinion is this, you know, there's four ways to train. Um, and, and I think this whole suit across the board in, in any skill that we have. But the four ways to train are what I call the old school shot method, right? So, you know, if, if you hit hooks, go out and try to hit cuts. Um, if you thin a lot of putts, go out there and try to chunk a putt, right? Like literally try to hit shots. Um, you cut putts, try to go out and try to hook putts, whatever it is. So that's one method. And, and just so people know, there's value still in that. I, I think somehow we think because we live in this Instagram world that we don't need um, that old school mentality. Sometimes, you know, there's need there. There's sometimes you just got to put four tees around a hole and go make a hundred three footers. You know, is that the most efficient in all places? No, but you know what? There's still value. There. There's a reason why Nicholas did it. There's a reason why Tiger did it. Like those things have value. So the old school, what I call go hit shots. Then there are feedback tools of if you did it right or wrong. So the gate drill, did you hit it through the gate? Yes. Why? Ball didn't get knocked offline. Or we see a lot of now mats where you can put tees in, right? Did you hit a tee? No. Okay. Good stroke. Then there are drills that uh, make you do it the right way. So there's training aids. So that would be actually sliding the club on an arc board or, um, 
there's uh, drills in which people will put alignment sticks, somehow attach it to the putter and, and create that feel out of that. And then last would be gym-like exercises, or you might use um, rehearsal strokes and that things in which you don't hit the golf ball. And so those four methods of training, I think, apply to every part of uh, playing golf. I think the one that's really interesting that we don't do enough of is that uh, gym-like exercises when it comes to putting. I think people would be amazed at um, how much athleticism, and I know I use that word maybe a little boldly in this, but that the amount of athleticism that's needed to be a productive putter, it's not just about, you know, anybody can go be a good putter. I mean, if you watch these guys on tour, there's a lot of uh, strength and balance that goes into their ability to then just, you know, have great hands on top of it. So, um, yeah, I, I think when you're using any drill, any tool, think about which of those four am I doing? What am I trying to get out of my practice time that ultimately allows me to get better at what I would call the three overarching skills to being great putting, which is how we started with this is, can you start it on your intended line? Can you have a predictable distance and then ultimately adapt to the green reading, you know, call it whatever you want, um, speed control, whatever, right? It's the adaptation to a given situation. Now we've talked about a lot of really awesome general ideas that about putting that really, if you don't think about, you're really never going to become a good putter. But you know, we haven't really even talked about the stroke much. You know, like like you know, and you're an instructor, so um, and and different. You know, there are different ways that golfers putt. We know just the yeah. different sides of you, Ben, um, like the many sides facets of a diamond, right? <laughs> but where does the stroke come into play like we're like when you're talking with somebody that whether they're a, a, just a club member at the private club that you teach at out at West Haven or whether they are a college player or whether there's somebody just getting into the game you know, where does a golf a putting stroke come in yeah so I, I think this is where we start going you know when I, I think there's a certain point where you go away from um, what I would call like universal expectations in baselines to preferences. So overarchingly, because of my uh, engineering background, through my research, um, through my exploration, right, on my own front, um, there's some things that I think would help a lot of players. Things like I think swinging on plane makes sense. Um, that plane obviously can vary, uh, the, the degree of it. You know, if you think about the, the steepest plane out there, those are probably your, your chest anchor guys, um, where the putter sits at, a, at roughly 80 degrees. And then you get, you know, some guys who are really, really flat, but you know, I, my preference, if, if we're, if we're talking preferences here, uh, I, I'm a big neutral on plane guy. I just think it makes a lot of sense uh, I like to aim the putter at the intended line. I like to have the player to have ownership over where the ball placement is. Uh, if someone said, where would you start? I don't know. It makes sense that the putter head is in the middle of your stance. Why? Because I think that's the easiest place to go repeat it. Um, but I think ultimately with, with all of those things, there's what I call negotiables and non-negotiables. A non-negotiable to me is we're going to start that ball through that gate, right? That's a non-negotiable to me. I don't, someone says, no, I, I want to pull my putts. Great. I, there's probably a golf instructor out there that will let you go down that rabbit trail. I'm not, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, now, if someone comes to me and says, uh, 
you know, and, and you can talk about this when it comes to maybe putter fitting or styles of how to grip the putter. If someone came to me and said, I hit it through the gate better when I putt with a claw grip. Cool. That sounds fantastic. If someone comes to me and says, I don't hit it through the gate well, and I always have this tendency, you know, there are to me some sort of correlations to stuff. So it might be, hey, let's let's explore left hand low or let's let's look at the claw or um, you know, hopefully you don't have to go as far as, um, hey, we need to look at putting left-handed. But um, I think ultimately when we think about people who really, really struggle with putting, right, and we start using the really dangerous word of a yip, um, that's something that I probably could have even classified myself as. Um, but through systematically choosing how to grip a putter, and what putter choice I have, I've been able to say, I can accomplish these three tasks with this putter, putting in this style. And in turn, you know, I, I don't think I've yipped a putt in a very, very long time, but it, yes, I've had more access to more equipment. I've, you guys have, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, entertained some of my crazier thoughts, but it was really out of this idea of, if this was the problem, is there a better way to solve it? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately I'm I'm going to push people to neutral and on plane and return it to where you started type mentalities just because that makes, in my logic engineering brain, that makes sense. Now, do we have to try some outside the box with some people because of whatever they're limited? Sure, but ultimately it's to push them to to neutrality, I think. Well, so that's our, that's our Seymour plug at what the 29th <laughs> minute. And I, I do, you know, again, we were obviously biased, but even if a golfer isn't, you know, even if they've got some other putter that they're absolutely married to, you know, we have always found that just using even a Seymour putter as a training aid to start with gets the golfer into those neutral sort of systematic patterns that you're talking about. And I know that's one of the reasons we've become friends over the years is because you, you have a lot of golfers that you want to start out doing the right thing. And I know, you hide the red dot with a Seymour putter, and that is sort of puts you there. And um, you know, but but we also understand that hey, <laughs> you know, golfers have all types of their own um, desires, interests, demons when it comes to putting, and they want to try different things. And we love that about this game. I mean, we love the fact that so much focus and attention is starting to shift towards the importance of putting. I mean, it's you know, we know that it's forty percent of your strokes, and only till recently have people even talked about like how can you become a better putter gosh i mean go back and look you know soon they're going to start re-airing old you know it becomes that time of year at the end of the year where they start re-airing old major championships i mean the the way people putted back as as recently as the 90s i mean you go back and watch the strokes and you're like holy smokes and i mean the strokes were really unique um it always looked like uh, a roll of the dice from from five feet and now you watch these guys putt and i get it surfaces are better uh you know the mower might be the greatest invention ever in the history of golf but i mean they're putting i get it putting surfaces are great but i mean you even look at a guy like justin rose um who who ultimately made himself a very good putter or adam scott who who through systematic ways have, yeah. has, has gotten himself to be a productive putter. Yeah, I mean, we would all love to have the hands of Jordan Spieth. Right. 
right? But we're not all gifted with that. And what's interesting to me is if you look at the guys who systematically figured out how to be adequate putters, right? Because ultimately some of these guys make their money because they're good ball strikers or whatever. They've all gotten back to more balanced to plane, more less rotation of the face, yeah. simpler, I would say, methods. And yes, if you're gifted and you have the ability to putt like Jordan Spieth, go do it, right? But I would say that most of the guys who have taught themselves to be adequate to above average putters, they've all done it by systematically moving more and more towards a on a balanced on-plane putter with simpler alignment aids, a more stable club head, and a, a, what I would consider a more on-plane stroke. And yeah. I think that's been an interesting shift over the last 20 years is the movement of what I would say not naturally gifted putters becoming adequate to above average putters by by moving what I would consider more simple, more balanced on plane style of putting. Well, he he's explaining exactly what I think Payne Stewart was thinking about at the time. You know, he he was towards end of his career knew he had to get better uh mike hicks got tired of him talking about his putting and lo and behold he he, he picks up a seymour putter and you know it, it's just funny that he, he makes that correlation well, and, and, back. and you look at pain stroke right in 99 but you look go back to the early 90s of pain stroke and it does not look as simple no. Right? Yeah, no. Now, Difficult. some of it is he's adapting to his equipment. True. I mean, these guys are extremely gifted, right? I, I, I like to always use the phrase, talent trumps all. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're talented. And they can learn They'll how to make use it anything. Work. They, Correct. They can make they're going to make work. it work yeah, make using anything, work. right? Yeah. yeah. But if you have a, ba- a well-balanced putter and you have to, quote, unquote, make that work, there's only one way to make that work, and that is to be on plane to do all what what we would consider pretty standard putting now. Yeah. But I mean, that's close to 20 years yeah. ago and people, yeah. you know, you know, and people are over 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling old now. I remember where I, <laughs> I, I remember where I watched that open. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's over 20 years ago, but now that's become the standard. Yeah. And, and that wasn't always the standard 20 years ago. And, and I think that's where we've seen putting evolve over the years. And interestingly, of course, you're, you know, one of the first professionals that you actually had significant contact with down in Florida was Zach Johnson through the Bender Academy. And Zach, of course, sort of took the Seymour torch from pain, become one, became one of the greatest putters of his generation. Um, and it was interesting because what Zach did with that Seymour putter is he kept it on plane at all times. And, you know, I think a definition of on plane is important here because, um, as you, as you said earlier, I mean, that plane, if you're with a long putter, might be 80 degrees. If you're a standard now, you're going to be around 70 degrees. So that means you're standing to the side of the ball. There's a 70-degree angle there. And so that plane is a 70-degree angle, correct? Well, and it, so the putter is sort of has to stay on. It has to have a small arc in there to be balanced to the plane, right? Correct. And, and I think, I mean, ultimately, this is where my relationship with you guys, you know, I, being a very poor putter at times in college, I had gone to the long putter because, in essence, I did not know this at the time, but that was the best way for me to produce an on-plane stroke. I did not know that at the time. I could not, I could not have told you that. I just 
I went from... You found that out. I found that out, right? And so when they banned, I had just moved down to Florida. I was working for Mike Bender, running his junior development program. And and obviously you guys had a tight relationship uh, with him and, and obviously with Zach at the time. And um, that, in, in me being a mechanical engineering major, I'm in this process of, okay, they're not going to let me anchor anymore. I have to go figure this out, right? And that started this this kind of exploration of, okay, what does it mean to be a good putter? What what skills do you ultimately need? And, um, you know, you guys have been, been very kind to let me uh, be part of this journey. Uh, and you guys have been a big part of, of helping me learn and, um, and, and experiment and, and ultimately just be more concise with the idea of, hey, what if we just did these simple things? Yeah. And, and I mean, the cool thing about Seymour is it really was the first, you know, putter out there that, you know, had that training aid literally built into it that, you know, you could take to the golf course. And so it allows golfers who will um, give themselves up to, to learning something new, a chance to take their putting to a new level. But even if um, even if they're not even if they're more stubborn than that, it, it is a, it's a great Seymour um, putter can be used as a training aid. We talk about that all the time. But, you know, we have enjoyed this conversation. Ben Palacani, one of the great young instructors. We got to have him back around. We got to have him back. I mean, you guys can reach out to at Pelly Golf. Um, ben, I know you've got some. You do a lot of Zoom type um, lessons and clinics with people that are yeah, so out of the country. I mean, out of the Nashville area where yeah, we are. I've, you know, technology is is amazing these days. And um, Instagrams where I where I hang out the most um, at Pelly Golf. Uh, you can always reach out to me the me there or to me there. My website PellyGolf.com and. Uh, yeah, virtual lessons are, are a pretty amazing thing now. Uh, I remember uh, when I first did a, a virtual lesson with someone from Hong Kong, it just blew my mind. <laughs> it, it just, to wrap my head around the fact that we're able to do the things we can do now virtually, uh, there really is no excuse to, to not be a better putter uh, and, and not have a system to, to get better. And that, that ultimately is, is my hope and desire for every one of my students. Is, That's awesome. Is that they own and they not only own what they do, but they have, they feel like and believe that the system that they have put in place will only help them get, get better. And so that's really my job in this, right? Is to walk alongside these guys and, and hope uh, to instill in them the, the confidence, but also the, the system that they have and, and why they want to do it. Well, yeah. I promise you'll do it again. Hey, I'm, I'm always uh, around. All right. That's awesome. Hey, this has been episode 49 of the putting couch brought to you by the Seymour putter company's tour team. I am Jim Grunberg, along with Ted Galena and Ben Pelicani, and uh, the next one is number 50. We appreciate you joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do wherever you're listening. Be sure to leave a rating and review because that's how we get the Putting Couch podcast content in front of more people. Also, Take a screenshot and share it on social media and tag us at Seymour Putters or hashtag Team Seymour.